I must confess, Mrs. Bennet, the fairest wifely choices be right here in this room. I declare that I am enchanted by your daughter Jane and request to speak to her alone, if I may. Oh dear, Parson. I'm afraid Jane is already spoken for. We expect a serious proposal imminently. Oh, fuddle. Hello, and welcome to the Anglophiles podcast, a podcast where two Americans talk about British TV and pop culture. I'm Danny. And I'm Sheldon. And we are having a heck of a time. Yeah, it's been a day. It's been a day. It's been a quite a day. It's been a year. It's been a year. It's really been a life, honestly. <laughs> um, but you know what we're thick in the middle of? What? Pumpkin season. Pumpkin? Everything's pumpkins everywhere, including I'm drinking pumpkin spice tea right mm, now. Delicious. I'm just yeah. drinking green tea. Uh, we Still always good. make tea for this podcast. Yeah. There's I- really no better time than to make a cup of tea um, as when you're sitting down to just like have a discussion about something. You yeah, know? just chatting about your sh- a show you love, especially now that it's getting a little cooler in the evenings when we record and you want to put your hands around like a warm cuppa. Mm. It's true. It's good. We've got a candle lit. It's great. Um, yeah, it's crazy right now. Um, the election for the uh, U.S. president is happening right now. Yeah. Um, they. I read that more people have already voted by mail than have ever done that before. Amazing. Like, that's insane. It's going to be a very weird election in so many reasons. It already has been a weird election. So yeah. we'll see. We already voted. Yeah. We went ahead and got that taken care of. Um, we voted by mail... Um, we dropped it off. If yeah. you're listening to this and you're in the U.S. and you're waiting to drop it off, don't. Go, like, drop it off now because some states don't take it after a certain point. So make sure to go read the rules on your state. We're not we're not experts on the rules in your state, but please go look it up and make sure you're voting correctly. Yeah, our listener base is half, uh, I think it's half American, half British. Yeah. So, um, and so if you're British and you're not voting... See if, you know, like, if you have a friend that has a basement that, like, we could move to. Yeah. Like, if we need it, you know. We want to leave the U.S. Um, Do they have basements in the U.K.? That seems like a very, I don't know. Probably cellars. Yeah. Oh, cellars. But I don't know how different a cellar is than a basement. We don't know shit. Um, (laughs) But we like to talk on a podcast. Uh, What is happening? Do you have any British news? I do. Or, well, it's not news because nothing right now is happy. So I don't want to waste people's times with sad news. news. I wasn't even going to talk about the election. But I'm going to talk about a delightful exchange I saw on Twitter Mm. um, from Richard Osman, who is a comedian who showed up on a couple of the uh, panel shows we've watched, including he was on um, a whole season of Taskmaster, Mm. one of the few people who might be as tall as Greg Davies. Um, But he got into uh, a tiff with Twix, the brand. And he said, look, I take absolutely no pleasure in saying this, but I've been quiet for long enough. A Twix is not a chocolate bar. It is a chocolate biscuit. And Twix responded, 
Richard, this is an important issue, and important issues require a considered response. We will be conferring with the head of Twix in the morning, and we'll be making a statement in due course. Thank you for your patience. And did they? Um, I do not know. I know that they are at least considering changing the idea, or the name of Twix from a chocolate bar to a chocolate biscuit. Because what Twix do you think? Twix in the U.S. or Twix in the U.K.? Well, I think the idea in general, the Twix, do you think a Twix bar is more a candy bar or is it more I of a biscuit? I think it's a cookie. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Yeah, a cookie, a biscuit. It, I, I am a, not a fan of Twix. I will never eat a Twix. I love them. I don't like them. I like them a lot. I never thought about it that way until he said it, but then I was like, yeah, it's just like a cookie with extra no, stuff. No, it's definitely a cookie. Yeah. With I'm into it. caramel and chocolate. It's not Which like I love those things. a Three Musketeers or a Snickers, you know, it's different. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah, good on you, Richard. You're making, like, positive changes in the world. I love when brands interact with people like that. That's really funny. Yeah. And not in ways, like, we get it, Wendy's is hilarious. They're so snarky snarky and mean, and they have an 18-year-old running their Twitter. It's fun. Um, so my thing is not really, like, big world news, but it's something really cool that I found out. Um, there's apparently, um, a YouTube channel called Watched Walker, where um, there's a guy who lives in London who sets up a steady cam and he just films him walking around London. Oh, and, cool, and I guess yeah. it's more of um, you're seeing the street. You're not really seeing him. Hmm. Uh, maybe he's on it. I need to check out the videos. But he basically, you he like uploads weekly. And so Ooh. he'll like walk through Hyde Park or he'll like walk around Highgate and uh basically and you can kind of just enjoy yeah. it with him. and it's apparently been really popular during quarantine where people are stuck yeah. at home they want to see what it's like outside they want to see the world and so um I really, really plan neat. on checking out this YouTube channel it's called Watched Walker that um, reminds me of um there's another series that you showed me whenever <laughs> I was visiting your parents one that I feel like we have to cover for this podcast we have to do an episode what's it called it's called Travels by Narrowboat Yes. Yeah, and it's a guy who has a narrowboat um, in the canals in England and basically just films his trips around the canals. And he'll have different episodes, you know, and he's... He essentially, like, lives on his boat during that time, is cooking entire meals, and so it's not just... on on the boat. It's an interesting thing where you're watching somebody survive for a day (laughs) that's kind of a strange thing it's really interesting my my dad was like you have to see this amazon show and i was like what is it and he showed it to me and then i realized it's one of those youtube channels that amazon has kind of ported it over and made it into a quote show yeah um so it looks like a show but it's just this guy's youtube channel but it's great and it's so relaxing and i really like that he doesn't talk the whole way through yeah, he he'll just, just kind of show the countryside. He'll show the locks, how he has to like get the boat through the locks. Um, and that's really fascinating. But yeah, we'll have to do an episode on Travels by Narrowboat. I think that would be fun. Um, if you have any other like shows that, like that that you guys like to watch, you know, the kind of enjoying other people experiencing the world, let us know because that I think is really important right now, especially knowing that large portions of the world are going back under lockdown. Let's mm. watch some videos of people just walking around. Yeah, we need driving. it. We need it right now. Uh, do you want to talk about our topic? I mean, we've got it at some point. <laughs> so we just watched for this podcast. The Whenever I think of British horror, I think of this movie. I think of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah, we decided to watch. Why don't we watch something 
spooky or horror filled that's also English. And we watched Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which I have never seen. Yeah, same. Never um, seen it. I actually once dressed up with my friend. We went to a convention um la comic-con oh yeah we dressed up as characters from pride and prejudice and zombies we wore like regency dresses with a little overcoat and then we had swords and then we splattered fake blood all over us because the movie was coming out and we were excited and then i heard that the movie wasn't good and so i just never ended up seeing it um <laughs> did you read the book or anything or it was just more you like the idea i hadn't read the book when the book came out it was a really big in the circles of friends that I had. And it was like, like a bestseller immediately. Yeah, it was, it was like a really popular book. And so I think I always meant to, but I just never did. Because I do love Pride and Prejudice. And so <laughs> I was like, I'll read it, I'll watch it, and I just never did. So, And I think that's part of the reason why we haven't covered Pride and Prejudice on our show yet is because you hold it to such a reverence. And there are two different, there's a series and a movie, or do we talk about the book? Like... It would be a very dense it's, episode. It's kind of one of those things where, like, I don't know if we should cover Pride and Prejudice or if we should just cover all of Jane Austen because we did a whole Agatha Christie episode. That's true. So we, we probably should do it that way to decide that at some but, point. Uh, it's it's impossible. I mean, yeah. maybe we do separate it and do it one the books and then one the movies. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. It's impossible to talk about the movie without talking about the books. That's true. You know, you talk about them at the same time. So, and as you'll find out when we're talking about this movie. I have not read the books. Mm-hmm. I have seen bits and pieces of the movie and the series. Mm-hmm. You are very well versed in, or at least much more so than me, that you were picking up on that's a direct line from the book or that's from. True. That's and true. so I think. I've seen Pride and Prejudice. I've seen the various movies and miniseries enough times to where, like, I know most of the dialogue. Because, and that's the thing about Austin, the dialogue is so good, and it's so important, and it's like, it's still really all, is very watchable and easy to listen to today. So, I mean, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Sure. But the dialogue is so good, so like, when they're using the actual lines in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, well done. And then they change a line, and you're like, ah... Interesting. It's interesting. I feel like this movie is one of those things where I want to praise it for trying. (laughs) Like, I want to give it props to say, like, you tried something crazy. And there are moments where it really works. Yeah, yeah. Because like you were saying, sometimes those lines that, like, are very familiar or an idea that something that you're expecting out of the movie, they nail it. And then immediately following it, the next lines of dialogue, you're like, oh, that's very stilted and created yeah. just for the movie and it doesn't work. You can tell which lines are Austin's yeah. and which are trying to be Austin. Um, yeah, what year did this come out? Uh, 2011, I believe. Really? It was that early? Yeah. Or It's weird. Everything no. I've... No. Because I cosplayed it 2016. like... 2016. I was going to say, I cosplayed it like three, four years ago. It was originally cast in 2011, and then the director and the main actor backed out, and I'll tell you who they are later. Oh, interesting. But um, yeah, sorry. I the, the book came out and was a huge hit in 2009. That's okay. when it became a bestseller. Okay. And so quickly they wanted to make it a movie, and then yeah. 2016 is when it came out. So four years ago. So... Yeah, this movie I thought was not great. <laughs> um, it looks cool. Like, the sets look good and the costumes look nice. Costumes are great. So that's pretty cool. Um, and I think 
the actors are having a lot of fun in the roles, mm-hmm. which whenever you're watching a movie, especially a period piece, like you want to see that the people enjoy the movie they're working on. And you can kind of tell that like, yeah, they know this isn't great, but they're having fun and they look kind of kick-ass when they're killing zombies. So, Well, but that was my problem was that, so the premise of this is amazing. So the idea of the book and the movie both are that it's Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. but if zombies were in it. Right. That Which, is a great... That alone, That's yeah. a great premise. And I think that's helped... I think that's what helped sell the book. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Um, I have not read the book. I've heard that it's not great. I've heard it's different than the movie in several ways. Interesting. But like, like you're saying, it's a great idea because it is kind of the antithesis of the kind of the serenity of the time and class and sophistication where zombies are about as far from that as you can get. Yeah, yeah. And so, and and then also, yes, the fact that it's about a society in which young women, um, you know, uh, walk around properly and speak properly. And always, mm. it's all about manners and uh, reputation and respectability. And so, yeah, to, to have them like fighting zombies is really cool. Um, I think that this movie doesn't quite promise on the premise, the premise of zombies yeah. being Pride and Prejudice. I think the scene where they go to the, is it the Netherfield ball? No, it's the ball. It's the first ball that happens in Pride and Prejudice. They go to that ball, and then suddenly zombies are at the ball, and they all, all the sisters. <sighs> Best scene in the entire movie. All the Bennett sisters, like, whip out all their knives and swords, and they Oof. start fighting zombies. That actually, that scene was really cool. Yeah. But I think that that's where the movie's coolness ended for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, it. there were certain times where it felt very much like it was bordering like Paul W.S. Anderson, who does all of the um, the Resident Evil movies, everything with like uh, Mila Jovovic, where it's like the sexy action. And yeah. they were leaning into that sometimes. And you're right that like it starts off the premise. You're like, okay, this is great. Pride and Prejudice, I know this story, I love it, easy to remember. Zombies, cool, bad, like, that's a villain you don't have to think about. Yeah. And somehow it makes zombies more boring than they were, and Pride and Prejudice more boring than it was. And then at the end, they decide, like, out of nowhere to start doing an original story in the final act, and then you're like, no, no, you can't, you can't do this. I think that's the biggest problem I had with this is because the story of Pride and Prejudice is very good. Yes. Again, Austin is not everyone's favorite thing. But, but it stands the test of time. It is. It's a classic story for a reason. It's very, very... Um, it's good. The characters are good. The What happens in, with the relationships is really good. Um, so it's a great story. And for them to introduce the element of zombies, it's almost like I wanted them to not keep it as close to the original story. I almost mm. feel like if you're going to introduce zombies, tell a completely different story. But they didn't. They kept with Elizabeth um, meeting Mr. Darcy, thinking he's a snob. And then her meeting Mr. Wickham, his whole lie about Mr. Darcy. And then um, Jane and the Bingleys. Like, it all it all almost played out exactly like the original Pride and Prejudice, just right. with more fights. And I kind of feel like that isn't a great way to do this premise. But, 
But if you told it a completely original story, then it would no longer be Pride and Prejudice. It would just be well, zombies in an Well, it could still be set at the time. Regency. It could still have the Bennett sisters. It could have the same characters. It could have the same love story. But it just, it followed it so closely. And then, you're right, in the third act, they introduced the idea of like, well, what if these zombies are fine? They don't eat people because we feed them pig's brains. You know, like, yeah. it just really, it was a lot. And it... See, I... I really liked whenever they followed it closely. I think when they did that, that's when the movie was good. Mm-hmm. And whenever they strayed too far and tried to tell their own stuff, yeah. that's when it got no longer good. Because mm-hmm. it didn't feel like... Jane Austen, the drama doesn't come from like imminent danger. Mm-hmm. The drama comes from like people. Mm-hmm. People are dangerous. It, it's the drama. Well, it's the drama of relationships and the drama of um of timing well the danger of losing respectability in your society yeah because if you make the wrong move or say the wrong thing suddenly you're seen (laughs) suddenly you're seen as rude right and that's a terrible thing and so in my mind like i love I love whenever they were kind of sticking to that in the very beginning. And a lot of the like class and sophistication, whenever Darcy first comes into the card game and somebody is a zombie trying to pretend to be human. And in my mind, I was like, that's going to be the plot of this is that zombies walk amongst us and we don't know who is able to like fit in with society. Yeah. And that I was kind of excited about of like a pride and prejudice of this like love story where like maybe one of the four Bennett sisters is a zombie and we don't know which one it is. Like that would have been cool. And I think that is fine and keep everything exactly the other, the same as it was. But yeah, adding the pig's brains and then like, I don't know why Darcy... (sighs) fed them real so like that made yeah. it worse for him the, that made it way the, worse uh character of um mr wickham yeah who was the guy that like lied about darcy and made elizabeth think he was a bad guy you know, his character did way more in this movie than he does in the original mm. you know he's kind of a plot device in the yeah. you know he exists for a very particular reason and then he's kind of gone and, and in this, he was a plot device to exist for a third act. Yeah. Which was very transparent from when he was showing up and was trying to show her these so, zombies aren't what you think they are. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> they are. Um, I did notice that most of the fight scenes in the movie, and I, I love and I hate this, most of the action scenes in the movie took place during parts in the original Pride and Prejudice that are the most dramatic. Like the conversations that are confrontational. That's when there were um, fights. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think that's brilliant. Yeah. Because like this, like, you know, there's a huge, there's a confrontation between um, Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy when he proposes and she turns him down because of all her reasons and so they had them actually fighting each other and that was kind of cool i liked that and then when his uh it's not his aunt when the um what's her name the lena heady character yeah yeah i'm trying to think about what her name is queen she's not a queen Catherine DeBeau. Catherine DeBerg. DeBerg. Yeah. So when she, in Pride and Prejudice, when she shows up like in the middle of the night and makes Lizzie come down and is like, hey, 
I heard this rumor. Tell me if it's true. Are you mm. engaged? And then that is a hugely confrontational, dramatic yeah. conversation. And so they they set a fight there as well. Although I thought it was stupid that she wasn't actually fighting. Yeah, Catherine there, de Berg. She was like fighting her minion or whatever. Yeah, there um, were there were a couple scenes like that where you're like you're taking the fun out of the scene. We're like, let the two of them fight. Like yeah. we don't care about this ancillary character. Yeah. Like we don't care. At the very end, like, a lot of these scenes, you're right, were, like, so good for drama, especially when they were, like, in a scene where they're just punctuating on how dramatic the this situation is. Yeah. But then at the very end, there are, like, explosions everywhere, and she and Darcy are, like, <laughs> fighting and shouting, like, words of love to each other as they're, like, killing zombies, which I'm sure was how they pitched the movie to a studio and got it made, saying that yeah. there's going to be this scene very much, like... Pirates of the Caribbean, where they're slashing all of the yeah. the water monsters, but it it was so cheesy and awful at the end that I was like, it, it I hate this. It wasn't good. Every scene that didn't have zombies in it was great, <laughs> which is weird to say in a movie where I wanted it's to almost, watch it because of the zombies. It's almost because the scenes without zombies were just straight up scenes from Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> yeah, and we haven't talked about him yet. But the best part of this entire movie is Matt Smith. <laughs> I was not expecting to say that because he's somebody who like love him as Doctor Who, but I don't like him in a lot of other things. Yeah. He was delightful. No, Matt Smith is great. So Mr. Collins is such an interesting, like he is a, he's one of the worst men that Jane Austen has ever written, Ooh. I think. And I haven't read every Austen book uh, or seen every adaptation, but Mr. Collins is very, um small-minded and misogynistic and is like a woman knows her place and like when he shows up to the Bennett's house he brings out sermons that were penned by a man they're sermons uh, specifically for young women to hear yep. and he's like why don't I read these for you and it's just it's so gross it's terrible and so Mr. Collins can be he has been portrayed in very different ways uh, across various uh, film and TV adaptations, but uh, Matt Smith's Mr. Collins is delightful. He was so fun. He was very funny. Matt Smith really is com- very comedically talented. Oh, yeah. He's- and whenever he realized that she was already called for and he has to turn to Lizzie and was trying to say, you were my first choice all along. Oh, my God. What? And that happens in the original Pride and Prejudice. But it's just so funny watching the delivery on his face how sad he is to propose to her and not her sister yeah oh man yeah it's real Um, it's really funny he was very good what did you think about the the rest of the cast we haven't really talked about lily collins Uh, as lizzie like lily collins is great i thought she was fantastic yeah i honestly think lily collins i think either shines or doesn't shine um according to the writing that she's given and I think when she's given great writing, she's phenomenal. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought she was good in this. I thought she was fine. I think, unfortunately, the guy who played Darcy and her, I didn't see any chemistry. Like, I didn't love him. I didn't love this Mr. Darcy. Yeah. He was... I wish they would have cast somebody else as him. Mm. And I think the movie would have been a lot better. Which is weird to say. But I, I don't know also, who. Also, like, uh, Sally... Um, what's her name? Oh, God, yes. Sally Parker? No, Sally Palmer. Uh, doesn't matter. Sally from Taskmaster. Sally! From everything. God. I Sally was, Phillips? Sally Phillips. <laughs> I was so, so, so happy to see her. Like, 
I lost my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And she was a great Mrs. Bennett. She was fantastic. She was great. Because Mrs. Bennett is kind of a ridiculous character and she did a very good job. Um, she said in interviews that this is her favorite character she's ever played. Interesting. She just loves Mrs. Bennett. Like, I think she oh. grew up loving the story, and yeah. so getting to play her in Mrs. a weird... Mrs. Bennett is a great character. And Charles and... Dance played Mr. Bennett. Oh, yeah. Charles Dance. It like... was interesting, because in Pride and Prejudice, there's kind of this idea that, like, the Bennett sisters are... They're a little different from all the other girls in town. Their yeah. dad lets them do this. Like, their dad lets them have this freedom. And, like, they're always, like, yeah. considered to be a little, just a little different. Yeah, kind of and the outsiders in a bit. Anyway. I thought it was interesting that this story kind of s- illustrated that as having every other person in the realm has trained to fight zombies in Japan. Yeah. And the Bennett sisters trained in China. <laughs> yeah, which is a choice. It's um, so weird. Like, it's one of those things where I'm like, I get it if you want to teach your characters how to, like, fight. Yeah. Classic British fighting style is usually just, like, get on a horse and slash a sword. Yeah. And so, like, that doesn't translate well to what kind of young women could do. So teaching them like a Kung Fu or mm-hmm. a Chinese martial art. Mm-hmm. I, I get why they did that, um, I suppose, but it was it jarring. Just, they kept bringing it up in conversations. They were like, oh, she was trained in China. And or like, it, it oh, just, if you haven't read Sun Tzu's The Art of War in actual Chinese, you haven't read it. Yeah. And it's like, all right, calm down. <laughs> I was just like, this adds nothing for me. <laughs> and then, but I think then it shows at the very end, you're reminded of it once more, where you've forgotten about all of that bullshit. Yeah. And then at the end, the two male leads are fighting with katanas. And you're like, oh my God, that's right. They studied Japanese fighting. And yeah. so of course they would have katanas. It was interesting to have Darcy and Wickham fight because they never really have a confrontation. I mean, like they obviously see each other and there's this drama of like yeah, oh I, I know off. you from the past and and it is dramatic and it is confrontational but they never actually like come to blows there's no argument mm. there's no conversation between them it's kind of just lizzie uh you know tells darcy this is what i know about you and he's like that's not true here's the truth and then yeah. mr wickham's kind of out of it yeah um because he's been outed as so- a liar I thought it was interesting to actually like have a whole fight scene between them. I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't care. It was about an okay this. fight scene. I, I mean, almost really wished that they had had Lizzie fight Caroline Bingley, the ooh, sister. That would have been so much better because she, in every adaptation that I've seen, Lizzie and Caroline Bingley are very polite to each other, um, but you can tell that there is some feelings there they do not care for each other yeah and so i kind of really wanted her to fight caroline bingley yeah it felt like there were several decisions that they made that you're like ah you could have gone a different way though yeah Oh, oh wow well this was a weird movie um you know what would just be delightful right now what would to take a snack break oh that would it'd be a palate cleanser refreshing All right, it's time for snack time or snack break. This is the part of the podcast where we try um, a food from the UK. Yes, and we know that this is not a visual podcast, um, so you can't see what we're going to eat. Yes. 
So we'll have to describe it to you. Yes. So what we are about to try is something called sherbet lemons. Ooh, okay. Because I was going to say, just based on the looks, it looks like a lemon drop. Yeah, which um, is your jam. I love lemon in candy, in pastries, in cakes, on fish. You like, love lemon. In drinks, in tea. I love lemon in a, a tea. I, I love it everywhere. So this has a lot to live up to. Uh, we'll see. So I'm looking it up on Wikipedia. Um, in England, sherbet is a, a fizzy powder sweet. Oh, so it's going to be bubbly. Maybe. It says usually eaten by dipping a lollipop or licorice or licking it on a finger. Oh, okay. Um, so this may not have the fizz, but okay, let's, yeah, let's, let's give this a try. But yeah, so it looks like it says sherbet can be sold by itself or used as a decorative agent on other sweets. The measured quanti- qualities of sherbet include granularity, color, zing, and flavoring. Um, and then there's a whole section of sherbet lemon. The sherbet lemon is a popular sweet in the UK, included in many sweet shops. It is the main flavor of boiled sweets with powdered sherbet centers, such as sherbet fruits, where sherbet limes, strawberries, blackcurrants, raspberries, and orange are popular flavors. The sherbet mm. lemon has a citrus taste and is sour and t- Yeah, we know what lemon tastes like. I was going to say, like. we're also doing this backwards. We're supposed to try it first. You're telling me what I'm about to try, and it's okay. not a surprise. Well, the only other thing it lists on here is that in Harry Potter, um, Dumbledore yep. is a very big fan of sherbet lemons. He does love them. Oh, isn't he- that the password to his office? At one point. He and changes it all the time, and it's always sweets. I've also heard of sherbet lemons... Um, Because this is not something that we have in the U.S. No, we don't have these. Um, I've also heard of them in the movie Johnny English. Ah. He mentions them there, so. Have we done Johnny English? No. (gasps) We have to watch Johnny English. Yeah, we need to do it soon. I love Johnny English. First, we're going to give people a little ASMR of us opening this because it's got the great crinkle. Uh, I hope... I hope that didn't sound terrible. No, it's ASMR. Um, It always sounds terrible. All right, well, let's try the sherbet lemon. Okay, I cut out all of the eating sounds. Um, what did you think of the sherbet lemon? All right, so I came into it telling you there was a high bar because I like lemon a lot. You love lemon. I really like that. <laughs> that was great. This was really tasty. Like, it it had lemon immediately. Sometimes when you get a hard candy, you have to suck on it a little bit mm. to get the flavor out. Yeah. But instantly I was like, okay. It was very lemony. Very good. Like... Just a bit of stickiness, not too sticky. Like, you, you got to have a little tacky, I think, to the hard. Yeah. And then once the fizz happened, yeah, that's whenever I went from being like, this is good to, oh, I love this. Yeah. Like, it's so simple. Like, there's not a lot going on here. It's just like a sugary lemon drop. Yeah. But with the fizz, with that added texture, mm. that was like an event. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's interesting. In the U.S., we don't really have anything called a sherbet lemon. We have lemon heads. Which I don't like. Lemon they're, heads are pretty good, I think. But you have to be in the mood. They're, they're not right. I think it's <laughs> they're like... They're not right. They're not what I want from lemon, and they're too much, like, fake sour flavor. Oh, I can see that, yeah. That's what I don't... What, that's what I don't like whenever... I get a lot of lemon candies. They throw in like the airhead sour. acid. Yes. And I'm like, that's not what I enjoy from lemon. Like I like the flavor from it. And so this is a lot tamer and they err on the side of like a light citrus flavor Mm -hmm. with like a smooth sugary drop. Mm. And that is something we don't really have much of. Yeah. Like the closest thing I could think of, and it's not at all, 
But it's like the little strawberry drops that come in the packaging that looks like a strawberry. Yep. That like you bite the inside and it's like a liquidy strawberry like center. Candy. But I loved those. No, I like them too. But those of are one texture. of those candies that you don't really see. Yeah, I but don't someone's, know. Everyone's grandma has them. I don't know what it's called and I have no idea how to purchase one. <laughs> the strawberry candy? Yeah. Like where do you buy them? I don't know. Grandma not, store. Not at Ralph's. Um... <laughs> Uh, well, that was really good. That's a that's a delicious candy. Yeah, I'm if a fan. like honestly, if you're in a spot where you can just grab some of those and you're an American, like definitely try this. Like we've covered a lot of great chocolate bars on this podcast, yes. and if you don't like chocolate bars, this is top of the list. Get some sherbet lemon. Get a sherbet lemon drop. Also, so good. Dumbledore, some, good call. Some people here in the U.S. I don't know if this happens in England, but sometimes. Actually, a lot of times in the U.S., people don't say sherbet. They say sherbert. Yeah, my family does that. A lot of people say sherbert. Yeah. And that's not how you say it. No. It's not even how it's spelled. There's no second R. It's sherbet, but everyone says sherbet. Orange sherbet. Yep. Sherbet ice cream, even. People are weird. And you're like, it's not a sherbet ice cream. (laughs) It's sherbet. Oh, (sighs) interesting. Um, Well, yeah, let's talk about our topic again. Uh... Did you have trivia? Yeah, I've got some fun trivia for this. Um, Starting first with, I kind of mentioned it earlier, Lily James wasn't originally cast. Mm. So they started trying to cast this back in 2011. And originally Natalie Portman was cast. Oh. So she was going to be the lead. And, um, uh, oh, the director was going to be David O. Russell, Mm. who's done like Silver Linings Playbook. Yep. So like... It was going to be a very different movie. And then after Natalie Portman had to drop out because of scheduling conflicts, they tried to get people like Scarlett Johansson, Anne Hathaway, Emma Stone, um, Rooney Mara, Mila Kunis, Blake Lively. All those people were considered... They're all really huge. Huge names. Yeah. But then I think they didn't have the budget. Like, it was a pretty low-budget movie, and they didn't make their money back, which is sad. Uh, But Lily James was cast, and Natalie Portman is still a producer for this. I saw that. So, like... Even though she wasn't cast, I think it meant a lot to her. Wow. Um, something that I thought was uh, incredible, all of the actresses, all four of the Bennett sisters did their own stunts. That's cool. Like every scene, they're doing their stunts. That's neat. Which is kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, though it did lead to a very weird scene where apparently there's a scene where Lily James had to walk through an area with zombie heads, like everywhere, coming up through the ground. Um and most of them were fake props. Yeah. And she was directed to stomp on them. They would have, like, supposedly gotten squished and, yeah. like, made blood go everywhere. However, she stomped on one and everyone was, like, staring at her in shock because they realized, like, a couple of the people out there were actually extras. Oh. And one of the only heads that she stomped on was a real person's oh, no. head. <laughs> he was fine. Like, I don't think she did it with a lot of force. I would feel but bad. I think... Everyone knew the instant it happened. They like, were like, that, oh, we all messed up. That was <laughs> like, Brian. Yeah, poor Brian. Oh, let's go buy him a she pint. She stomped on Brian's head. Um, uh, there's a lot of Lily James facts and stories. Um, she had never heard of the novel when she was <laughs> <laughs> when she received the script, um, and she read the book in two days. <laughs> Um, Lily James is so cute. Also, she was dating Matt Smith while they were filming. Whoa, really? Yeah, and apparently 
Maybe she that's had... why her scenes with Mr. Collins are way better than her scenes with Mr. Darcy. Yeah. And they said um, she had trouble keeping it together in some scenes because he was making her laugh so oh much. Oh, my God. Because, of course, he Can would. Can you imagine dating Matt Smith? <laughs> but then also, apparently, like, there are all of these, like, all the Bennett sisters are pretty young actresses, like, a little unknown. Yeah. And Sally Phillips is right there. So apparently during the whole movie, they would ask her questions on like, how do we make this scene funnier? Mm, And she would just kind of... Yeah, she's the... She kind of became the mother hen, kind of pulling them all under her wings, which I really loved. Um, I, I just like how much this movie... Is, is very much a, well, that's just how we'll have to make it. Because <laughs> they didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have the original cast. Yeah. Um, there is, like, we've talked about a lot of the cast that show, showed up. But one person we didn't talk about much is Lena Headey. Oh, yeah. Who plays Catherine DeBerg. Yeah. She is one of the top-billed people. Yeah. She doesn't show up until nearly an hour in. And she if has, you, what, three scenes? She has, like, three scenes, including a flashback. And her screen time is about six minutes. Damn. Like, good for her. That's definitely like one day of shooting, but damn. Wow. This was a bizarre movie. It really was. I mean, I kind of want to read the book. I feel like it might be decent. I mean, it got there. It's part of a trilogy now where there's a prequel and a sequel. Did you know that of the books? Tell me about it. So the first one, I mean, this one is Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, but then they made a prequel, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Dawn of the Dreadfuls. (laughs) Interesting. And then the the finale, the the conclusion is Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Dreadfully Ever After. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but the, the two sequels weren't written by the guy who wrote the first one. Interesting. Um, they were written by a guy, Steve Hawkinsmith, who um, wrote another kind of sequel. Um, I believe he's the one who wrote Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Yes, I've heard of that one. So, yeah, they did, like, this spinoff thing, and I wish they would have continued. And I want to pitch to you right now, and to all of the publishers out there listening that need writers... There are still several more Jane Austen novels that they could make into spooky monster books. Like Emma. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I've... Persuasion. I, uh-huh. Uh, Northanger Abbey. Uh-huh. Mansfield Park. Yes. Okay. So here's, here's my pitches. Okay. Number one, this one was the easiest. Vampsfield Park. Wow. Mansfield Park with vampires. Mansfield Park. Number two... Persuasion of the Black Lagoon. Whoa. Are you coming up with these? Yes, okay. And then this one, this one's a bit more of a stretch. North Howler Abbey, colon, (laughs) Bad Moon Rising. Oh my God, a werewolf. (laughs) Werewolf Northanger Abbey. And then- And then what is Emma? My favorite, this one's just called, Help, Emma Ghost. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my. I wasn't ready to that, hear that. I wasn't ready to hear that. I want to see. I want to see that story of Emma, but she's a ghost, and the rest of the story is exactly she's still the same. Trying to like be a matchmaker. Yep. Everything else is identical. Emma ghost. Wow, Sheldon. I I wasn't ready to hear that. Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you know of. The company that's making these books, Quirk Books, uh, I think is it. Emma um, is my favorite Jane Austen. Call me. I really want to write <laughs> Help Emma Ghost. Oh my god. Actually, I really want to write Vamps Field Park the most. Oh my god. <laughs> 
I mean, what do, what do you think? What are some other, are there other literary stories that you think would be good for adding in horror? Is this something that could work outside of just Jane Austen? Yeah, like maybe you you like do some Hemingway, but put sea monsters in it. Ooh, old man and the sea monster. Old man and the sea, or like even um, what's that other one? Moby Dick. Is yeah, that I was thinking, thinking Moby Dick, yeah. but Moby Dick already kind of has like almost a supernatural whale. But then I like that. I feel like those are the ones you can lean into where it's not just like man versus nature, but if it's man versus a creature from the fourth dimension, probably. I would, yeah. Is there a Shakespeare play that isn't already a fantasy that you could make fantasy? Like, Romeo and Juliet. I mean, they kind of did that with Romeo plus Juliet a bit, with adding guns and stuff. Mm, True. Um, What monster could you put in Romeo and Juliet? Ooh. I think you make... You gotta make them vampires and werewolves, right? Like, it's Underworld. Yeah, The two families that don't get along. who is the Capulet... Who are the Capulets? Vampire? I werewolf? think they're vampires, yeah. Okay. And the Montagues, Montagues are, are the werewolves. That makes sense. That makes sense. Unless... I would, I would watch that play, honestly. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch it, too. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. This is uh, interesting times. <laughs> <laughs> so how... I mean, we talk about it always. Um, how British is this movie? Um, I mean, it's... <sighs> It's based on Austin, so it's pretty British. It's set in England. Um, you know, like all British cast. Most of the cast yeah. is, is English, so I would say, you know, it is a very English film. I just don't know. Usually when we ask how British is this thing, sometimes that means, like, how important to British culture is this. Yeah. Like Monty Python. That's very English. Yeah. Um, or in how, like, it can't be replicated by other cultures, I think. Yeah. I'll, and, and I don't know this, that this that this movie is inherently English to in me, that if, it's important to English culture or could never be done by a different culture. Yeah. So. Yeah, and to me, it very much feels like the American adaptation of a british thing where it's like the americans take something great and british and go yeah yeah but let's just add a lot of shit to it explosions and then like unnecessary plot lines people will love that that is a very american thing i I wouldn't be surprised if there are a lot of americans that have only seen this version of pride and prejudice yeah interesting and like yeah i mean i know we've been down on it it wasn't the worst movie like the first half was a fun watch like I did enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're looking for kind of a a dumb popcorn movie and you like Pride and Prejudice and you like zombies, it's worth your time. Yeah. Like, it's not garbage. It's fun. Um, But I think there is a point where if you're watching it and you get bored, yeah, turn it off at that point. It doesn't get better. Like, it's a slow moving downhill. Yeah. Hmm. 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 What do you think? Would you not recommend it to people? Uh... I don't know, because, like, I feel like if you like Austin and if, if you like Pride and Prejudice, I want to say you'll kind of like this, but you may also hate it, so... Yeah, I get that. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe it's good for people who haven't read a lot of Austin. Yeah, like, I haven't read a ton of it, and I thought it was fine. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's a fun date night movie, and then, <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, so romantic. <laughs> well, I think it is in the sense that, like... 
you don't have to fully pay attention to what's happening because you already true. kind of know the story they're setting up. That's true. And so, like, if you want to just kind of snuggle on the couch and, and eat popcorn together, eh. That's true. They're worse choices. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you ready to guess your British slang word? Always. Cool. Yeah, normally I try to find a... Uh, slang word that people use in England that Americans don't really know and try to stump you on it. Um, this week I thought I would pick a phrase or word from Regency era dialect. Ooh, okay. So it's from the era of Great. Pride and Prejudice. Cool. Maybe something Jane Austen has mentioned. I don't know. I will tell you, like, if you held a gun to my head, I could not tell you, like, a 50-year span of when Regency is. I know it's fancy and it happened. I'm very bad with dates of the past. Okay, okay. Well, it's after the American Revolution. Okay. Um, but before the Civil War, I think. Okay. So, I Somewhere mean, those are American. Those yeah, are American. I was going to say, but um, it, it does set it in a hundred year period for me, so. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, this is a phrase. So, I looked up a Regency dialect dictionary Ooh, online, okay. And they're tons of words on here and phrases sure. with an exp- um, kind of an explanation as to what it means. Um, but here's a phrase that has been used in Regency dialect. Um, and the phrase is blue ruin. Blue ruin. If people are talking about blue ruin. What are they talking about? Besides that movie that I haven't seen that keeps being like in my list of Wait, movies to watch. Wait, is there a watch. movie called Blue Ruin? Oh, yeah. There oh. definitely is. Um, and if I had seen it, I probably would know the answer. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying... Okay, man. So I'm probably going to piss off the people who love this movie as well as people who really know Regency. But I think Blue Ruin is when something is kind of like destroyed but beautiful. You know, when it's like... There, there are ways... Yeah, but I think more just the idea of destruction. Like, as it's happening, there is beauty in the destruction of it. Like, it's a blue ruin. If you're watching your house burn down, that's not, no, that's, oh, that's awful. It's terrible. But, like, if you're watching, like, a giant flood come and swipe something away, you're like, ooh, there's kind of beauty in in the nature doing this. Uh, Blue ruin. Blue ruin. Interesting. Incorrect. Um, It actually means gin. Oh! Yeah. Okay. That's apparently what some people would refer uh, to uh, gin as. As blue ruin? Blue ruin. Because it ruins people's lives. Probably. Yeah. You'd, wow. You'd, you'd gamble too much playing cards. Whew. And that would be bad. <laughs> I do like gin, though. I had a one very bad night with gin. Oh, no. Yeah. I, th- I feel like a lot of people do. I, th- I don't think a lot of people get gin. Well, I had too much of it. Um, (laughs) Well, this has been Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. This was a very interesting watch. And and very interesting. I actually have to say, I think talking about it with you here was more fun than watching it. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully um, anyone who listens to this episode had a little bit of fun. I hope so. (laughs) And like, honestly... I kind of hope you guys watch it. But then I hope better you watch another movie that the writer of this movie wrote, which is Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Wait, same writer? He wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's probably, yeah. He only has like two big things listed. I said to you last night as we were watching this, I was like, this is like Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Same writer. He got much better on that one. And luckily, 
like messing with American history is somehow more palatable than messing with Jane Austen. <laughs> like, no, absolutely. It really works when you're like, I buy Abe Lincoln as this. Yeah. So I think we need like a Queen Elizabeth killing vampires movie. I'd watch or like the hell out of that. Queen Elizabeth goes to Egypt and accidentally has mummies coming after her. Mm. See, there are so many young Queen Elizabeth movies that we could tell. Yeah. They keep making them. <laughs> they keep making them. They won't stop. Um, yeah, well, this was great. This Thank you, great. everyone, for joining us. You can find us on Instagram, Anglophiles Podcast, files with an F. Um, you can also email us at anglophilespodcast at gmail.com. Keep calm and... Help! I'm a ghost! Thank <laughs> you.